What's going on, Badger Nation? Welcome to the PPC Den Podcast, your home for all things Amazon advertising tips, tricks, and strategies to make your Amazon PPC a little bit easier and a little bit more profitable. Today on the show, uh, we have someone I've had a really great time getting to know over the last few years. He's a good dude, super knowledgeable, has gone super deep into a lot of areas of Amazon growth, Sean Stone. Uh, you can find Sean Stone at Stone's Goods and GetLantra.com. He's got a really good experience, and today we're going to be sort of talking about ways to grow your organic sales percentages. Uh, in other ways, like boost organic rank, um, things that you can do to increase sales velocity. Uh, so hopefully at the end of this episode, you have a checklist of seven things to add to your Amazon marketing stack. I definitely learned some things on this one. Good reminder of some good fundamentals as well as some good frameworks to implement into your Amazon marketing stack. Have a good one. See you in the Badger Den. I've launched campaigns and picked keywords. I've got my bits set placements too. Now bad mistakes. Sean, one of my favorite San Diegans. Although it's although it's cool and cloudy over there today. Yeah. You should get you should get some kind of refund for every day San Diego's cloudy. <laughs> I'll be rich real fast. <laughs> yeah. Is it cloudy in San Diego? Wait, I've only seen San Diego nice and sunny. Uh so there's this thing called May Gray, June Gloom, where the the ocean temperature and the air temperature do some kind of arguing. And so it doesn't get sunny till 3 p.m. Whoa. Every day. Yeah. So, well, that's very interesting. We could turn this into a science podcast. You know what? I will. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> Let's do it. So, you know, I've gotten to know you over the last few years. Uh, and every time I talk to you, I learn something. And I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Uh, because you have a topic that I think you're excited about and I'm excited about after you started telling me about it. And I want to kick it off by going in a time machine, going back in time and comparing organic sales and like organic sales strategy in 2017 and how it differs from today. Let's start there. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, organic sales is a really powerful thing that Amazon brought to the table. Um, and it's obviously what attracted a lot of sellers very quickly because you can make sales without the difficulty of thinking about acquiring customers. The customers are already there. So back in 2017, I put my first product up on Amazon. Um, it was a scratch map. Uh, and I accidentally made some sales before I even had done my first launch. Mm -hmm. And it, I was like running around my apartment screaming with excitement. So I was like, <laughs> it was like I scored a goal because, mm -hmm. uh, you, you know, you never expect to make a sale suddenly and unexpectedly. And mean, meaning when you say before your first launch, uh, you mean like you had all these things in mind that you wanted to do and, you know, you could allude to them. But like even before you did all those things, you started to pick up sales just by the very nature of having a listing. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So I, I had not done a single piece of promotion. Nobody should have known that this listing existed. Right. Um, it was just a thing that I had been working on and hit publish. How did um, they find me? Yeah, exactly. That mm -hmm. was like, first I was scared. Then I was excited. Then I realized the implications and I was thrilled. Mm -hmm. So that's 2017. Mm -hmm. 
people just people just walking bumping into your listing. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think would happen today if you did the exact same thing? Not the same thing, um, or at least not to the same scale. And I think the real reason for that is Amazon's gotten more crowded and it's become a lot more of a pay-to-play environment. If you compare the search results now to the search results back then, there was a tenth of the advertising slots available probably. Um, Back then, headline ads, I think, were only available if you had a vendor account and um, a bunch of other stuff. So back then, Amazon was this thing where it was kind of the Wild West and advertising was just something you did occasionally to make sure that you stayed in your organic ranking position. So, um, you know, it was a good time. But luckily, I went to some mastermind event and somebody said, PPC is the future. If you think about what happened to the Google search results, Mm -hmm. the same thing happened or is going to happen to Amazon search results. And that's what really set me down this PPC journey um, because I, not because I'm smart, just because I uh, <laughs> I listened to somebody who I thought was smart and they turned out to be right. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at, yeah. F- uh, funny thing too, uh, I just Googled amount of Amazon sellers because we, we always talk about the amount of competition going up. And I think, I, here's a stat. In 2019, there were 2.2 million sellers on Amazon. In 2020, there were 9.1 million. According to uh, wow. Landing Cube, 57 Amazon statistics to know. Thanks, Landing Cube. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Landing Cube. Yeah. So, so <laughs> there you go in terms. So, like, obviously, there's more competition. The nature of the way that products get found has changed a lot. And one thing I want to clarify too, uh, you know, I thought this would be a very uh, easy definition, but I actually wanted to define what you mean when you say, organic sales. Uh, what do you mean? Let's just clarify that really quick. Well, that's um, that's where I like to start, which is mm-hmm. I generally like to think of organic sales as any sale you make that was not a sale that you intentionally paid for a click to uh, generate. So, is, is another way to say just non-PPC sales, non-ad, yeah. non, non-Amazon advertising sale? Yeah. So depending on what kind of strategy you're running, um, so maybe no, sp- like total sales minus all sponsored advertising sales and other um, sales, which you are paying for promotion. So for example, DSP or Google ads or um, any anything else, but T- it's- What about TikTok? Like- TikTok, yeah. So, you know, I think it's interesting. Sometimes people say, you know, what's my, you know, total- uh, total a cost uh, or uh, add cost to total sales, or they'll say, you know, what are my total organic sales? And a lot of times they do just that. And I always think there's like a little bit of a gray area in how we define that stuff because, well, you know, if you're spending money on TikTok ads or Google ads and sending it to your Amazon listing, technically, technically that didn't come from your Amazon advertising, but like that's still like an ad cost over there, which I think is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, do we include that? Like, how do we include that in our overall thought process of what we're defining as like an organic sale? Uh, yeah, I, th- I do think like we need some updated language in terms of, uh, you know, what do we call a non-PPC click? I don't know. It, it's kind of interesting, I think. I don't know. I, don't... Well, I, I agree. The other thing is there's no attribution model. So you also can't check... Um, you know, if somebody organically purchased your product, but there was a click that was influencing their sale or their purchase earlier, you know? Um, yeah. So- <laughs> like on, on Google analytics, you can go to it and like see source information for your products. You, it'll tell you like how much direct sale, how much email traffic, how much social traffic from what social channel are you getting that traffic? You know, all this kind of stuff. It'll yeah. traffic analytics is like uh, not a thing. Yeah, exactly. On Amazon. Yeah. What if you had something mentioned by an influencer on maybe a Instagram account from your friend, maybe your friend's an influencer and they mention your product. Imagine if that was actually trackable. That's the kind of stuff that would be so helpful, but I don't know that Amazon is going to get us there anytime soon. 
this is a whole separate conversation. Why can't we have <laughs> yeah. like Google Analytics style traffic sources on our Amazon oh, sales? Yeah. You're you're preaching to the choir. Uh, mm-hmm. Trust me, I'd love that. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, the the crux of the matter is like you're sort of talking about non Amazon PPC sales. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for the purpose of this conversation, generally speaking, we're talking about sales that did not occur from a PPC click. Terrific. And I, I think one thing too is like people often think, well, what is a target non-PPC sales amount? So, you know, if someone's doing a launch and they're just starting versus someone who's a little bit more evergreen further down the road, what percentages do you generally notice uh, with your own business and your clients' businesses uh, for what percentage of sales to expect via non-PPC sources? So we try to think about it in terms of um, phases. So, you know, how, like, is this a new launch? Is this a product we're growing? Is this a product that we're maturing? Or is this a product that is a bestseller? Mm-hmm. And like the product can regress over time or progress over time. Like it doesn't, it's a fluid thing. You don't live there forever. The way we think about it is um, the basically the end state where you're trying to get to is you're trying to get to at least 60% of your sales coming from organic, uh, aka non uh, PPC sales. And generally speaking, if your entire account is above 60%, you're generally speaking in a healthy place because that's 60% of your sales you're not paying for. Mm-hmm. And then the sales that you are paying for, you're trying to optimize those to be as healthy or break even as possible. And that's that's a good place to start. So I want to unpack that a little bit. So 60% as the sort of you know theoretical optimum area uh, and then how does it differ? You mentioned some conditions, like depending on what stage of the game a particular product is in, uh, mm-hmm. how do you sort of move those dials? Um, yeah. You know, how do you get, where does that, how does that 60% become 80%? How does it become 40%? How does it become 20%? Yeah. And what kind of things influence that? So there's a lot of stuff to think about and I might go on a bit of a rant. So either stop me or um, ask me about it after, but the, the best organic sales percentage in general is the one that's most profitable for you. So if you're making more profit doing a 50% organic sales percentage because you're making more sales and you're able to acquire customers profitably through PPC, then do that. Don't These are not hard and fast rules. Profit's the only thing that you can take to the bank. You can't take your organic sales to, to the bank as much as I'd like to. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, I, we've talked a lot on the show about how it's so how it's so important to run the numbers because sometimes a lower total ACOS might not equate to more profit. Sometimes a higher ACOS might lead to more profit. Like all these different scenarios where you want to track your bottom line in con, in like in conjunction with all the other metrics that you would see. Um, so I definitely hear you on that, and I think. Ultimately, like having some kind of like PL rotating, uh, updating like month by month allows people to sort of keep tabs on that for sure. Uh, so they don't get lost. You know, sometimes, yes, you can lower your A cost, but at the expense of what sometimes, you know, potentially reducing your profit. Oh, couldn't agree mm-hmm. more. Yeah. Um, and so typically, when it comes to organic sales and organic sales percentage and all this stuff, um, there's the phase of like improving your organic sales over time on a product, but then there's also the phase of improving your organic sales on your entire account. Mm-hmm. And those are kind of two separate sets of activities. So when it comes to improving your organic sales on an individual product, generally speaking, what you're going to be doing is trying to grow your organic ranking on a specific set of keywords. And then if you're trying to improve your ranking on your entire account, it's more like you're doing the exact same thing, but on all your products. And so generally speaking, you kind of need to think about where you'd like to go and then how you'd like to get there. So it really depends on like what's going on in your account at the time. Like, have you just launched 
five new products because that's going to have a very different impact than if you haven't launched a new product in two years and you're just trying to maximize the uh, dollars you're getting from the existing products. In the sense of if you did launch five new products, Mm -hmm. the assumption there is you'd have a far lower percentage of organic sales. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, you, when you launch a product, especially if you're trying to grow into an existing and potentially aggressive market, you will likely start with like a 20% organic sales percentage. And then what you're hoping to do over time is to slowly work that way up as you continue to grow the amount of sales on that product in general. So it's probably 20 or 25, then, um, 40-ish, then 50-ish, and then 60-ish is where things start to get good. And then if you can get up to 80%, we have seen that do really well. And uh, one of the ways that we have seen 80, sometimes even 90% organic sales percentage is when you have a listing with a bunch of variations and you have one hero listing. And so you only advertise that hero listing and then the rest of the listings uh, on that variation get all that additional organic traffic love. Now, there's some drawbacks because it'll hurt your conversion rate, but there's some upsides. Yeah, you know, I'm, I I feel like I want to ask the question, you know, if someone were to be at like 90% organic, my first, like 90% organic sales, my first reaction is like, I bet they would like increase total profit if they like advertise a little bit harder and maybe, you know, increase their paid sales a bit, like you know, that kind of thing, uh, which I think is like a really sweet spot. Uh, to like play with. It's like, wow, my organic sales are so great. And then I think it's really interesting too, because I've I've suggested that before. And the answer was no, like I'm at 90% organic sales, like super duper high, like true, like market dominators. And then you're like, what happens if you increase your ad sales by a certain percentage? Like, will you profit more? You know, with the, with the, with the assumption that you're probably not in a strong position in a paid spot. So like if you were to add those paid spots, yes, your organic percentage of sales would go down, but you like net more. And the times where I've seen that, like with true market dominators, the answer was actually like, no, like we hit a point of diminishing returns with our PPC where it's like, oh, actually like it doesn't matter if we had a higher ranked uh, ad, we wouldn't benefit from more ad sales because people like their conversion share was like 70, 80% of like, you know, with the brand analytics data, uh, it was so high that they didn't actually benefit any more from some like aggressive keyword sales uh, through paid. I thought that was interesting. We had an example where um, I would like prior to this test, I would have never been willing to do it because I would have been white knuckling the whole time. (laughs) But um, we had a test where, we had to turn off the majority of our ads on a bestseller mm. because we were about to go out of stock if we kept selling at that yeah. same consistent rate. But we saw that if we just turned off ads, we'd probably stay in stock. And um, for our client, they were more concerned about that and they were concerned about um, going out of stock at full velocity or whatever. So we turned off ads Um and this was this was like a true sixty over sixty. So pause 60. there. So turning off ads turns your organic percentage to a hundred, right? Yes. Yeah. However, we we need to speak in absolute dollars for this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm pretty sure PPC sales or PPC spend went down by like thirty five grand, mm-hmm. and organic sales went down by twenty five grand. Total okay. sales went down by like a hundred. Wow. And total profit went up by six thousand five hundred. So we we made more money. We spent. We gave Jeff less money. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and on top of all of that, so the the thing that was really interesting, and it was interesting here, business owners say it is um, the dollar efficiency of their business went up because their cost of advertising went down. And on top of that, every dollar that they put in, they got a better return on coming out. Um, so if you think about the entire business as like, a as a ROAS or an ACOS, uh, their business ACOS got better. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't at the expense of profit. However, it was at the expense of like over a hundred grand in total sales. Yeah. Like market share. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
But with all that said, it's not like that. Like we did eventually come back into stock and turn the campaigns back on, but we turned them on a lot more selectively. Mm -hmm. And this product is still like, it's not like one of those things where like you turn off ads and then you take a quick screenshot and you're like, look, look how profitable. No, like this is like a new normal for this product Mm -hmm. and for this account. Um, And it was, it was like a happy accident that we then started applying to all our other accounts um, because it just was, it was both surprising and also interesting to be able to see, oh, well, if you do these things, then you can likely, er, and you check these things, then you can likely get a pretty good outcome most of the time. Yeah. Now, obviously, there's nuance to all this. Like, I wouldn't just, like, if anyone's watching this, don't just go blindly turn off your ads, please. At least three people just did. Oh, great. Right. While, you, while you're talking. <laughs> great. I, that, mm-hmm. I, now I feel like a bad person. Uh, well, hopefully people are tracking profit alongside all these ad metrics and all these total sales metrics and organic metrics so that they can ultimately see what the true impact of that is. Um, and that's where I think the, the true magic happens. So we're sort of leading up here in terms of, I mean, increasing total organic sales. Um, so let's actually sort of slide into that. Like, how can we actually influence this number? Cause you know, maybe there's someone sitting out there, their total A cost is high. They would love a little bit more profitable sales and, you know, or an organic sale doesn't come with the PPC price tag attached to it. So sort of if someone's sitting there with lower percentage of organic sales, like how can we sort of nudge that number up, uh, both in terms of percentage wise, as well as absolute value. Um, and of course there's two ways to increase organic sales percentage. One, uh, reduce (laughs) your PPC, but the other thing, but like, we're trying to like grow the account. So Mm -hmm. let's actually begin to sort of slide into some of those things that you've done over the last, you know, 12 months now, as you were saying in the sort of new world of pushing, uh, organic sales. Yeah. And so we've actually done this for a, like yeah, quite a few. We've done this. We've repeated this quite a few times. So this is a repeatable process. Um, when we get a new account, we, these are some of the things we are thinking about mm-hmm. day one, week one. Can I ask you an operational question? Sure. Uh, before we get into the specific things that you've done, and I think we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of them. I want to touch on like a procedural question. When you sit down with a new client or you're getting ready to to start work on a particular ASIN, do you have a list of these seven things that you like punch into like a uh, project management tool like ClickUp or Asana or Trello or something? Uh, and like you're actually sitting down, you have a document like organic boost process. And then it like lists these things. Like how do you and your team remember what these seven things are? I, I, I'd like to ask this procedural question. So instead of a Asana thing, which would actually be much better than what we're doing. Uh, we have a Google Doc. And okay. the, the Google Doc is basically, it's the, the framework that I'm about to talk about. And the, the thing that we need to always be asking ourselves is like, does it deserve it? Um, that's kind of what we're, that's what we're thinking about. So the way that we think about it as a framework is track, measure, grow. So track is really just TMG, uh, which is a great podcast, by the way. Uh, but track is really just like everybody agreeing on a metric and then defining it. And then we can always like, there, there's no argument later. There's no, well, but I did this. It's like, did this happen or did it not? That way it's binary and it's simple. And so generally speaking, if there's not somebody who's doing a bunch of external things, such as Facebook ads, Google ads, that kind of stuff then the formula is just ads minus all sponsored ads. Um, Sorry, uh, total sales minus all sponsored sales Mm -hmm. or sponsored ad sales. And so that's, that's the metric. If it needs to be a different metric, we can calculate it and we can, you know, we've, we basically set ourselves up so we can track the same metric every day, every week, every month, every year and have it so that it's automatically tracked because we, yeah, we don't want to 
rely on human error. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So let's get to these seven things here, shall okay, we? Okay, yeah. So um, there's one other thing, which is we need to determine if we actually can win, if we can get more organic sales. And the way we do that is by benchmarking our product's conversion rate, both primarily from advertising versus all the other products in the market's uh, organic uh, conversion rate. How do you compare your PPC conversion rate versus a competitor? What we'll do is we will take the brand analytics data and we'll take the search query performance data. We'll blend them. And then once we blend them, we'll have... um, uh, all the top three brand analytics people, what their sales on a conversion rate and what their conversion rate is. Um, and maybe we could get into that. I could record a video or something if we wanted that. Um, and then we'll compare our advertising conversion rate to that conversion rate. If we can win, then we know the list of seven things to do to go after it. Um, so is that, a, you want to, jump in or do you want yeah. asking questions before I do that? Well, yeah, that's probably a, a, its own episode determining <laughs> your competitor's PPC conversion rate. I think that's a really interesting topic. Uh, we'll have to have you back on the show to talk about because I feel like that's in and of itself its own topic. Um, let's yeah. jump in to the seven things people can do yeah. to grow. Let's play the transition noise. Yeah, sorry. I wasn't trying to tease this. I just wanted to make sure that I, I, I didn't... Um forget anything, but lightning deals, prime exclusive discounts, seven day deals, single keywords campaigns, uh, SKWCs, if you use ad badger, which we do, um, Google ads, email, and the holy grail, which is price testing. Um, so like we'll lump the first three together deals. So, So let's touch on the first three lightning deals, prime exclusive discounts, seven day deals. So I guess the first question I have is, you know, people listen to the show. Uh, there's a lot of marketers who do PPC. There might be some brand managers. There's store owners that do this uh, with maybe a small team of people that do different things. Mm-hmm. When it comes to this category of stuff, right, like creating lightning deals, thinking of prime exclusive discounts, seven-day deals, that kind of thing, who generally does that on the squad? Like what kind of skills or knowledge should they have in order to feel equipped to to do these things? What we'll do is we kind of separate strategy and ex- execution um, because once you've done this one time, you can write an SOP and you can do it a thousand. Um, so it's brand manager speaks to owner um, and you got to kind of come up with some decision. Like, do we want to do this? Do we not? If yes, what are some acceptable outcomes? Uh, you, you basically, you because these deals all come with uh, a price tag. So you've got to decide on which one makes the most sense for you. Um, Let me pause you there. Like, what are the characteristics? uh, Like, what's the determining factor to not do lightning deals, prime exclusive discounts, or seven-day deals? Like, what would would the calculus be if somebody to look at these things and then be like, you know what, we're not going to do this right now? So basically, you don't want to run a deal at, uh, well, if the brand owner doesn't want to run a deal at a aggressive loss. Generally speaking, we'll try to start with something that will be break even. Okay. And so seven day deals are the most effective if you, if Amazon is willing to give them to you. So if you run a seven day deal, generally speaking, unless the product is not a winner, you will see some good outcomes because unless the product is not a winner. So, so, yeah, speaking, so, yeah. so if, the, if the product is a dud, this may not. Yeah. Bring it to life. Okay. Exactly. This will not revive a product, but if you have a, it's like putting a product on steroids. Mm-hmm. Seven day deals have been almost, I, I'm yet to run a bad seven day deal. Mm-hmm. If you don't have the option of a seven day deal, then a lightning deal is the next best option in terms of effectiveness of sales during most of the year. If, uh, if the lightning deal price doesn't make sense, or maybe it's a product that takes a long consideration period before someone buys, then it might make more sense to run a prime exclusive discount um, because those can be run at a lower percentage. And also they can be run for a much longer time. You can make your own seven day deal using prime exclusive discounts. But traditionally we've seen prime exclusive discounts to be more of a home run during prime day. So if you're listening to this and prime day is coming up, 
and you have to choose between a lightning deal for a very brief period of time or a prime exclusive discount, go with the PED because it will you'll have a deal for the entire sales period instead of just a 12-hour window that may or may not be a popular time to shop. And let's say someone has one product and one product only. Like how often should they be doing things like this? Would you gen- generally say like on a per product basis? So it depends on if you're trying to grow and mm-hmm. if you're happy with so if you're trying to grow, you could do this twice a week every week. Mm. Uh, we have clients who do that. But generally speaking, you need to find a profitable price and uh, basically as many times as you can do it at break even or profitably. And so if you're in a position where you can do that, then charge ahead because this is a strategy that still seems underutilized today. If you if you can calculate a good return on your investment, then yeah, it's definitely a strategy you should continually run. And they will absolutely help you boost up your rankings and your metrics. And that that's the way that we think about deals. Um, we do have a bunch of clients who don't ever run deals and they still are quite effective. Um, but if I were to suddenly try to get my organic ranking up, this is the playbook I'd run right away. And what's your conclusion as to why these things, lightning deals, prime exclusive discounts, seven day deals, influences ranking? The Basically, there are two things. Amazon gives you additional traffic when you run a deal. And also you stand out in the search results because they give you some kind of badge. Um, so prime exclusive discounts only get a, a compelling badge on the uh, flagpole days. So Prime Day, Black Friday, Cyber Monday. But the rest of the year, lightning deals typically outperform because they've got a big badge that says limited time deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and that drives a ton of um, impressions and clicks. And that is, generally speaking, what helps you do better because you show up more in the search results, you show up in different places, and people are inclined to at least find out if they're willing to consider two different options, they're more likely to buy yours because it's a deal. So boosts, you know, clicks, click-through rate from search result, I'm sure, uh, conversion rate, sales velocity, all of these things have a push on organic. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Anything else to say about those sort of first three categories? I think you've sort of explained it well and like when to do it. And Mm -hmm. Yes. One other thing, if you're running a lot of deals, we've found that it's important to compare your organic sales percentage to your organic unit percentage. Uh, so explain <laughs> organic sales is total sales minus um, ad sale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ad sales. Organic units are total units minus units from ads. Mm-hmm. And so what we've seen is a 20% swing. So you might have like an 80% organic sales percentage when you're running a lot of deals, organic unit percentage when you're running a lot of deals, but organic sales percentage might be down at 60 or even 50 sometimes, or 55 sometimes uh, on that kind of number because your ad or your your sales price is so much lower during that deal. And for so Mm. many of your sales, your sales price is lower that your organic sales percentage looks terrible. But when you look at the number of units you sold from organic, you're actually getting a really, really nice deal because we, we had to troubleshoot this when we uh, ran this strategy, grew our organic sales quite a bit, but and our tacos was still where we wanted it to be. But we were like, why is our organic sales percentage so low? It's only 55%. And I, you know, I did five seconds of math and said, well, actually. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. I feel like we've talked about lightning deals, prime exclusive discounts, seven day deals, inside and out from many different angles. So awesome. Let's jump to the next topic you have here. And this is a PBC topic. This is single keyword campaigns. Love these things. They're really great. Um, basically, uh, and we steal Ad Badger's uh, naming convention, which is SKWC, because those letters almost never occur in the English language in that <laughs> order. Um, so single keyword Campaign. campaign. Yes. Yeah. Single keyword mm-hmm. campaign. Uh, so generally speaking, what we'll do there is, and this is something that has been, we've been able to rank products fairly consistently. If we have a keyword where our conversion rate, or sorry, if we have a single keyword campaign where our conversion rate is better than our competitor's benchmark, 
we will try to spend as much money on that campaign as possible because we know that our rank will just continue to go up. Maybe another topic topic or conversation for another day. Right now we're playing with ranking on category terms, which has been super interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you talk about single keyword campaigns, uh, I'm curious on different people's strategy, how they use single keyword campaigns. You know, some people view it as like the last thing to do in a chain of keyword validation. So, you know, you start it, it, it you know, and, and, you know, it's in a generalized campaign with other keywords. And then eventually you find that it's a standout that you should be doubling down on it, that you convert well and like you've tested it in other campaigns. And now it becomes a single keyword campaign uh, with a big top of search boost and all that good stuff. I've also seen people that just like out of the gate, they're like, I've done my keyword research. This looks like a, a really cool term that I could, I want volume on. So I'm going to actually put, do it in the beginning and use it almost as like a loss leader as opposed to like, you know, the final stage in a validation process. Uh, how do you like to incorporate single keyword campaign strategy? Both. <laughs> so uh, basically what we'll do is we will take our keyword research before we launch and we'll create our top three as single keyword campaigns. And we'll we'll run those at the very beginning of our launch, just regardless of profitability, just to see what happens. Like how does the honeymoon impact or honeymoon period impact our results? Um, do we fly up the search rankings really quickly? Do we, is it like a big nothing burger? Cause that's also good information to have. Then uh, we create the core four, which is just like the four main ad types that we make sure we have for every product in the beginning. And then what we'll do after that is if a keyword proves itself to be a winner and it goes from like a research to a winner's campaign, if it still keeps doing quite well in the winners, then we'll migrate it out to a single keyword campaign after that. So it's more like um, you start a new soccer team with three stars and a bunch of like your lower end squad. And then we migrate them from lower to the main team and then superstar status. Mm -hmm. And that's, um, that's kind of how we like to think about it. Awesome. Let's jump over to Google ads. Uh, Google ads has been probably my favorite thing in like the last 30 days. Uh, I've like personally been involved in launching some Google ads campaigns and I'm just like, holy moly, this is like, it almost works too good right now. Uh, <laughs> like it, it, like I'm talking about like launching it, spending a little bit on Google ads and like watching rankings just like jump up and I'm just like, what is going on? <laughs> um, you know, I'm talking like less than, I'm talking like one, 2% of your Amazon ad budget on Google ads. Anyway, I'm like wow. super excited about this topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you incorporate it? Um, so generally speaking, we like to bolt it on top of the other things we've just mentioned. Mm-hmm. So if we are climbing the ranks, but maybe we're not all the way up yet, and we're thinking to ourselves, ah, just a few more spots until we can really, um, we can really let this product kind of run away with the market. We'll use Google Ads, um, and we'll kind of do a very similar strategy as what we do with single keyword campaigns, mm-hmm. but on Google Ads. And generally speaking, that's creating um, a single keyword campaign on Google with uh, a matching attribution link on Amazon attribution. And then you got to make sure you do your validation on both sides, both on Google and Amazon to make sure that this is a keyword you want um, ranking juice from. And, you know, there's a lot of different ways to think about how it impacts it. But generally speaking, you want to find a keyword on Google that matches with the keyword on Amazon. You want to create a campaign and a matching attribution link and then you want to spend money on those and track the impact. And we actually like to do them one at a time um, because we'll really focus on an individual keyword one at a time and see if that will just start to quite just push ourselves up the rankings. Um, and it has. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and we love to run it in conjunction with a seven-day deal. Mm-hmm. That has been really nice. Well, I, I bet it would work super good if you like wrote lightning deal in the ad copy on Google. 
it, we have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so that's the only thing that's kind of frustrating about running those campaigns is you have to turn them off right after mm -hmm. because you don't want to get, you won't want to be running Miss, an advertisement. Yeah. That, yeah, that's not true. Yeah, we will basically run an ad and um, the click-through rates will sometimes be bananas. Like we had this one campaign over a seven-day period had a 21% click-through rate. Um but it, it wasn't necessarily the best keyword and we didn't get the best ranking juice from it, but yeah. it was just like such a high click through rate. I was like, am I taking crazy pills? Yeah. 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 I, uh, yeah. So Google ads I, is near and dear to my heart. Uh, it's where I started many moons ago. And so like to be able to like reincorporate Google ads into like my Amazon marketing strategy, I'm like very excited about this. And honestly, I wouldn't have, a I wouldn't advertise a product on, Amazon anymore without also just trick sprinkling in a little Google ads mm -hmm. to your yeah. listing. I think it's, yeah, it works well. And, um, you don't need to spend a fortune on it. Yeah. And it's frustrating. So it's, you know, like your competitors are not willing to do it. So it's another opportunity for you if you can figure out how to do it easily. Oh yeah. The next thing that you have on here is email. And I think email, uh, is a gigantic topic in the world of e-commerce outside of Amazon. So, mm -hmm. you know, you look at how to grow a Shopify store, uh, how to grow an e-commerce brand, getting an email list, having good email opt-ins on your Shopify store is like foundational. Uh, I think it's funny on Amazon, it's like, oh, I need to maintain an email list and like think of stuff <laughs> like that. So yeah. when you say email, what exactly do you mean when you say email as a way to grow organic sales? This is one of those things where you say you planted a seed a long time ago, okay. uh, it, it might eventually pay off. So a lot of people back in like 2018, 2019, we're talking about sending people to your store to get a warranty or anything like that. Yeah. Now those email lists are probably cold, but there is some merit and some value to potentially offering them a deal. Um, like, Hey, you haven't heard from us in a while. But where brand X, um, maybe we're running a deal right now. You might want to check it out or, Hey, we just launched this product. Check it out. Or you can come up with a thousand reasons to send someone an email. Yeah. Um, but the, this playbook in particular is one that we use a lot more with Shopify and M like e-commerce mm. sellers that are both yeah. Shopify and Amazon. And what we'll do is we'll say, Hey, do you have a list of people who have not um, engaged with you in the last 180 days mm -hmm. and they almost always say yes yeah, or there, there's always some list or group of people who are kind of just like one email away from unsubscribe mm -hmm. email those people about amazon it, it might be that it might be interesting enough that they don't unsubscribe and it also might be interesting for them because it's a completely different reason to get an email than all the other stuff you sent them and it's a deal. So generally speaking, um, if there's a deal, I don't unsubscribe from the email. It's when it's like, buy our thousand dollar thing. Um, <laughs> like, I was like, I, I just wanted to see, <laughs> I just wanted to see this one specific thing. That's normally when I uh, unsubscribe. But if there's a good opportunity for you to just say, hey, um, these people are likely to unsubscribe from me anyway. Why not give them a last offer that happens to be on a different platform than your website? Um, yeah. And we've actually seen that lead to a lot of sales. And typically we will use this with either a flagpole day or a deal, but you don't have to. Um, you could do it leading up to a flagpole day and this would just lead to a ton of uh, external traffic to your listing. But when you're trying to grow your organic sales, um, if you run an email with a deal, I've seen somebody um, in the wallet category. This was a while ago, but one day they went from uh, middle of the pack to bestseller from a single email in combi combined with a deal. It was crazy. Yeah. You know, Amazon really wants non-endemic traffic. Like they want, sit, they want traffic outside of the Amazon ecosystem to come into the Amazon ecosystem and make a purchase. Of course they do. And so I definitely think this is like a, brand signal that they value like off Amazon traffic in general. Um, email traffic, I think is so interesting. And I think a lot of 
brands are nervous or reluctant to send, well, I have this email list, like why would I ever want to send them to Amazon when I can just send them to my own store and not have to pay the Amazon tax? Uh, and I, I do believe that like it will pay dividends in that sense, you know, whatever the amount commission that you have to pay Amazon to get those sales, I would like to believe that it would provide some kind of added benefit, added ranking juice there. Yeah. That's how I generally think of it. I Same, but um, generally I don't start with that. I, I would rather start with, hey, this is a good reason and this is a group of people who are unlikely to buy from you anyway. I like that. I so like how like, you're starting with that group. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like you've got almost nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, so why not run a silly little test and see what happens? You don't even have to email all of them to like choose a tiny subset um, and then watch when they actually convert. Because I mean, how many million households have an Amazon prime membership? Mm-hmm. A lot. Yeah. Um, I, I lost track of the numbers, but that's kind of where I would think about starting with this tactic. Mm-hmm. Last, but certainly not least, and probably probably the easiest one, price testing. Um, you know, change that $19.99 to a $21 product or $18 product, you know, play with price testing. There was a statistic that I saw that price testing is the easiest, shortest thing to do that potentially has the biggest lever to pull on. Uh, because, you know, I've, I, it takes one second to update a price and it could potentially lead to like a big conversion rate swing or a, a volume change. Yeah. This this is like the, the Sam Walton idea, right? Like mm. I'd rather sell, instead of selling one product for $3, I'd rather sell a hundred of them for 30 cents. That's like the idea behind price testing. And generally speaking, what we have done is we have really been testing the idea of, okay, well, how much more profitable could we be if we did X and Y in conjunction? So generally speaking, if you just change your price, you might immediately notice an increase in ad spend without any changes to your advertising because Amazon will give you more clicks or you'll get a higher click to rate. You'll, and you'll get, get more questions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, that might lead to more sales immediately. So you actually might have your organic sales percentage go down. However, if you do this, you might also see that more people buy your product organically and it might lead to more profit collectively. So like today's the eighth on whatever last Wednesday was. I'm going to go with the 31st. Wow. All right. So on the 31st, we switched the price of a product from 1997 to 1497. Wow. And we have, uh, we went from on average selling like five units a day to now selling 11 units a day. Mm -hmm. And we're actually more profitable than we were before. Mm -hmm. And, that is the example of price testing that we always come back to um, is that on Amazon, because there is all this organic traffic, people are searching for the best price. You better believe that people are price shopping you and comparing you and trying to find as many apples to apples comparisons as possible. Um, it's just the nature of the business we're in. Mm-hmm. But because of that, you can use this to your advantage and make more sales from organic if you just realize, okay, I need to find a new equilibrium for my product. And maybe the 17% tacos I was running before doesn't really make sense. And maybe I need to take that down to eight, but the rest of my sales are going to come from these organic sources because as much as Amazon eats up the search results, if the only good deal is the organic one, people are going to buy that still. And that's just the way that humans shop. Um, My mom's a big shopper. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) I've watched this my entire life. She's always looking for a great deal. And that's the thing that um, you need to remember when it comes to price testing. It's like, okay, well, how do I stack up against my competition? Um, How does a minor price change impact my conversion rate? How does becoming the best price product impact my conversion rate 
And also, if I can't afford to be the best price product, where is the potentially new equilibrium? What other strategies can I run in conjunction with this that price testing might really help us do? And so this is not the perfect thing for every single product. Like I'm not just saying slash your prices and watch the sales roll in. Um, it's, it's more like a, a careful marketing game that you need to play. And we've seen it work fairly consistently, especially on products that are high margin. We've seen a lot of high margin sellers come to us and slowly and surely we've convinced them to drop their prices and watch their profits and sales fly. Um, Mm -hmm. because typically the high margin sellers are the ones who are trying to run a slow and steady business. And I'm all for that. I don't want (laughs) peaks and valleys. I want slow and steady, but when it comes to all that, what you need to be doing is thinking about, okay, how do I really maximize the stuff that I've got going on right now? Not, and not, uh, not just try to drop your price for the sake of it, but like, how do I make more dollars in profit, not mm-hmm. a better organic sales percentage? Can you share, share a little bit of your mindset moving? Cause you know, the product was at like 1997 or something mm-hmm. and you dropped it all the way to 14 something. Yeah. Why wouldn't you, or why didn't you maybe put it to 18 something or 17 something? So that seems like a significant jump. Yeah. Um, so we had already gone down from, uh, 24 to 19 or sorry, 24 to 21 to 19. And then we, so those were the tests we tried before, uh, obviously high margin product. And what we, what we realized was we were making changes in the right direction, but it was never going to fix the underlying problem, which was the, the market is still too high. It's not about what your price is. It's about what consumers are used to paying. And so when we were eventually able to get the product down to a price that really was in line with what um, shoppers were used to, then next thing you know, sales are off to the races. And we did not make any changes to PPC at all. We literally just left the campaigns the same because they were kind of doing what we wanted them to do just at a rate we didn't want them, (laughs) like at a rate that wasn't what we wanted. Mm -hmm. And so we realized it wasn't a PPC problem. It was a conversion rate problem. Yeah. And we found out that it was a conversion rate problem, not a PPC problem by checking our benchmark. Sean, we've ran the gamut <laughs> on seven ideas to boost organic sales. Uh, we've done a whole bunch. Uh, I want to thank you for coming on the show. We've given people a lot of stuff to do. They could run some lightning deals, prime exclusive discounts, seven day deals, relook at their single keyword campaigns, which if they've been listening to the show, hopefully they've already launched some of those. Uh, Google ads, we've talked about good and plenty on this show for over a year now. So hopefully they're doing that. Uh, e- building an email list. I mean, there could be many episodes dedicated just to that and price testing. Uh, good reminders to do all this stuff. And I want to push people to, you know, have some kind of checklist that you keep nearby where you're just, oh, am I, do I need new ideas for this particular product? Keep, you know, add these to your list of things that you can do to push a product. Uh, Sean Stone, thank you so much for coming on the show. I know this won't be your last time. uh, So thank you so much. Uh, Have a good one. And everyone else, I'll see you next week here in the PPC Den Podcast.